0: Chapter Thirty One of the Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Houghton. Chapter Thirty One. THE WIDOW STEIN AND LITTLE JOHNNY, DAUGHTERS OF A SAINTED MOTHER, ESTRANGEMENT AND DESOLATION, A RESOLUTION AND A VOW, MY PEOPLE ARRIVE AND PLAN TO BEAR ME AWAY. ON THE 1ST OF SEPTEMBER, 1855, A WIDOW, WHOM I SHALL CALL STEIN, AND HER LITTLE SON JOHNNY, CAME TO VISIT Grandma. She considered herself a friend by reason of the fact that she and her five children had been hospitably entertained in our home two years earlier, upon their arrival in California. For Grandpa in particular she professed a high regard, because her husband had been his bartender, and as such had earned money enough to bring his family from Europe, and also to pay for the farm which had come to her at his death. Mother and son felt quite at home and in humor to enjoy their self appointed stay of two weeks. Despite her restless eye and sinister smile she could be affable, and although at first I felt an indescribable misgiving in her presence, it wore away, and I often amused Johnny while she and grandma talked. As if to hasten events, Mrs. Bergwald had sent for Georgia almost at the beginning of the visit of the Steins, and after her departure Mrs. Stein insisted on helping me with the chores, and then on my sitting with her during Grandma's busiest hour. She seemed deeply interested in California's early history, and when I would stop talking she would ply me with questions. So I told her how poor everybody was before the discovery of gold— HOW MOTHERS WOULD SEND THEIR BOYS TO GRANDMA'S EARLY MORNING FIRE FOR LIVE COALS BECAUSE THEY HAD NO MATCHES OR TINDER BOXES. HOW NEIGHBORS BROUGHT THEIR COFFEE AND SPICES TO GRIND IN HER MILLS. HOW THE WOMEN GATHERED IN THE AFTERNOONS UNDER HER GREAT OAK TREE TO TALK, SOW, AND EAGERLY LISTEN TO THE READING OF EXTRACTS OF LETTERS AND PAPERS THAT HAD COME FROM FRIENDS AWAY BACK IN THE STATES. I told her how, in case of sickness, one neighbor would slip over and cook the family breakfast for the sick woman, others would drop in later, wash the dishes, and put the house in order, and so by turns and shares the washing, ironing, and mending would be done, and by the time the sick woman would be up and around she would have no neglected work to discourage her. Also we talked of how flags were used for day signals, and lights by night in calls for help. Our last talk was on a Saturday morning between work. She questioned me in regard to the amount and location of the property of the Brunners, then wanted to hear all about my sisters in Sacramento, and wondered that we did not go to live with them. I explained that Elitha had written us several times asking us to come— but, knowing that Grandma would be displeased, we had not read her those parts of the letters, lest she forbid our correspondence entirely. I added that we were very sorry that she could not like those who were dear to us. Finally, having exhausted information on several subjects, Mrs. Stein gave me a searching glance, and, after a marked silence, continued, "'I don't wonder that you love Grandpa and Grandma as much as you tell me.' and it is a pity about these other things that aren't pleasant. Don't you think it would be better for you to live with your sister, and Grandma could have some real German children to live here? She is old, and cannot help liking her own kind of people best. I did not have an unkind thought in mind, yet I did confess that I should like to live well and grow up to be like my mother. In thoughtless chatter I continued— that more nice people came to visit Grandma and to talk with us before the town filled with strangers, and before Americans lived in the good old Spanish houses, and before the new churches and homes were built. She led me to speak of my mother, then wondered at my vivid recollections, since I had parted from her so young. She was very attentive as I told how Georgia and I spoke of her when we were by ourselves, and that friends did not let us forget her. I even cited a recent instance when the teacher had invited us and two other young girls to go to the Vallejo pear orchard for all the fruit we wished to eat, and when he offered the money in payment, the old Spanish gentleman in charge said, "'Pay for three. "'But we are five,' said the teacher. Then the Don blessed himself with the sign of the cross, and pointing to Georgia and me replied, those two are daughters of a sainted mother and are always welcome. At noon, grandma told me that she and the Steins would be ready to go downtown immediately after dinner and that I must wash the dishes and finish baking the bread in the round oven. We parted in best of humor and I went to work. The dishes and bread received first attention. Then I scrubbed the brick floor in the milk house, swept the storeroom and front yard, gathered the eggs, fed the chickens, and rebuilt the fire for supper. I fancied Grandma would be pleased with all I had accomplished, and laughed to myself as I saw the three coming home leaning close to each other in earnest conversation. To my surprise, the Steins went directly to their own room, and Grandma did not speak, but closed her eyes as she passed me. That was her way, and I knew that it would be useless to ask what had offended her." So I took my milk-pails and, wondering, went to the cow corrals. I could not imagine what had happened, yet felt hurt and uncomfortable. Returning with the milk, I saw Johnny playing by the tree, too near the horse's feet, and warned him. As he moved, Grandma stepped forward and stood in front of me, her face white with rage. I set my buckets down, and standing between them listened as she said in German, O false one, thou didst not think this morning "'that I would so soon find thee out. "'Thou wast not smart enough to see that my friend Mrs. Stein "'was studying thee, so that she could let me know "'what kind of children I had around me, "'and thou, like a snake in the grass, "'hast been sticking out thy tongue behind my back. "'Thou pretendest that thou art not staying here "'to get my money and property, "'yet thou couldst tell her all I had.' "'Thou wouldst not read all in the letters from thy fine sisters? "'Thou wouldst rather stay here until I die, and then be rich and spend it with them?' "'She stopped as if to catch her breath, and I could only answer, "'Grandma, I have not done what thou sayest.' "'She continued, "'I have invited people to come here this night, "'and thou shalt stand before them and listen while I tell what I have done for thee "'and how thou hast thanked me.' "'Now go finish thy work, eat thy supper, and come when I call thee.' I heard her call, but don't know how I got into the room, nor before how many I stood. I know that my head throbbed and my feet almost refused to support my body, as I listened to Grandma, who in forceful language declared that she had taken me a starveling and reared me until I was almost as tall as she herself that she had loved and trusted me and taught me everything i knew and that i had that day blackened the home that had sheltered me wounded the hand that had fed me and proved myself unworthy the love that had been showered upon me mrs stein helped her through an account of our morning chat misconstruing all that had passed between us I remained silent until the latter had announced that almost the first thing that she had noticed was that we children were of a selfish, jealous disposition, and that Georgia was very cross when her little Johnny came home wearing a hat that Grandpa had bought him. Then I turned upon her, saying, Mrs. Stein, you forget that Georgia has not seen that hat. You know that Grandma bought it after Georgia went away. She sprang toward me, then turned to Grandma, and asked if she was going to let an underling insult a guest in her house. I did not wait for the reply. I fled out into the dark and made my way to the weird old tree-trunk in the back yard. Thence I could see the lights from the windows, and at times hear the sound of voices. There I could stand in the starlight and look up to the heavens. I had been there before, but never in such a heart-sick and forlorn condition i was too overwrought to think yet had to do something to ease the tension i moved around and looked toward jakey's grave then returned to the side of the tree trunk which had escaped the ravages of fire and ran my finger up and down feeling the holes which the red-headed woodpecker had bored and filled with acorns a flutter in the air aroused me it was the old white-faced owl leaving the hollow in the live oak for the night's hunt I faced about and saw her mate fly after her. Then in the stillness that followed I stretched both arms toward heaven and cried aloud, "'Oh, God, I'm all alone! Take care of me!' The spell was broken. I grew calmer and began to think and to plan. I pictured Georgia asleep in a pretty house two miles away, and wondered how i could get word to her and what she would say when told that we would go away together from sonoma and not take anything that grandpa or grandma had given us i remembered that of the fund which we had started by hemming new and washing soiled handkerchiefs for the miners there still remained in her trunk seven dollars and eighty-five cents and in mine seven dollars and fifty cents if this was not enough to take us to Sacramento, we might get a chance, as Sister Liana had, to work our way. I was still leaning against the tree-trunk when the moon began to peep over the eastern mountains, and I vowed by its rising that before it came up in its full, Georgia and I should be in Sacramento. I heard Grandma's call from the door, which she opened and quickly closed, "'and I knew by experience that I should find a lighted candle on the table "'and that no one would be in the room to say good-night. "'I slept little, but when I arose in the morning I was no longer trouble-tossed. "'I knew what I would say to Grandma if she would give me the chance. "'Grandpa, who had come home very late, did not know what had happened, "'and he and I breakfasted with the men, "'and Grandma and the Steins came after we left the room.' "'No one offered to help me that morning. "'Still I got through my duties before Grandma called me to her. "'She seemed more hurt than angry, and began by saying, "'On account of thy bad conduct, Mrs. Stein is going to shorten her stay. "'She's going to leave on Tuesday, and wants me to go with her. "'She says that she has kept back the worst things that thou hast told about me, "'but will tell them to me on the road.' "'Trembling with indignation, I exclaimed, Oh, Grandma, thou hast always told us that it is wrong to speak of the faults of a guest in the house. But what dost thou think of one who hath done what Mrs. Stein hath done? I did say some of the things she told thee, but I did not say them in that way. I didn't give them that meaning. I didn't utter one unkind word against thee or Grandpa. I have not been false to thee. TO PROVE IT, I promise TO STAY AND TAKE CARE OF EVERYTHING WHILE THOU GOEST AND HEAREST WHAT MORE SHE HATH TO TELL. BUT AFTER THE homecoming, I LEAVE. NOTHING THAT THOU CANST SAY WILL MAKE ME CHANGE MY MIND. I AM THANKFUL FOR THE HOME I HAVE HAD, BUT WILL NOT BE A BURDEN TO THEE LONGER. I CAME TO THEE POOR, AND I WILL GO AWAY POOR. THE Brunner CONVEYANCE WAS AT THE DOOR ON TUESDAY MORNING WHEN GRANDMA AND HER GUEST CAME OUT TO BEGIN THEIR JOURNEY. GRANDPA HELPED GRANDMA AND THE WIDOW ON TO THE BACK SEAT. WHILE HE WAS PUTTING JOHNNY IN FRONT WITH THE DRIVER, I STEPPED CLOSE TO THE VEHICLE AND EXTENDED MY HAND TO GRANDMA, SAYING, Goodbye. bye DON'T WORRY ABOUT THE dairy WHILE THOU ART GONE, FOR EVERYTHING WILL BE ATTENDED TO UNTIL THY RETURN. BUT REMEMBER, THEN I GO. ON THE WAY BACK TO THE HOUSE GRANDPA ASKED ME WHY I DID NOT TREAT THE WIDOW MORE FRIENDLY, AND I ANSWERED, BECAUSE I DON'T BELIEVE IN HER. To my surprise, he replied, I don't either, but Grandma is like a little child in her hands. I felt that I ought to tell him that I should soon go away, but I had never gone to him with home troubles, and knew that it would not be right to speak of them in Grandma's absence. So he quietly went to his duties and I to mine. Yet I could not help wondering how Grandma could leave me in full charge of her possessions if she believed the stories that had been told her, I felt so sure that the guilty one would be found out that it made me light-hearted. Mrs. Blake came and spent the night with me, and the following morning helped to get the breakfast and talked over the cleaning that I wished to do before Grandma's return on the coming Saturday morning. But God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform, and unseen hands were shaping a different course for me. I had the milk skimmed and a long row of clean pans in the sunshine before time to hurry the dinner for Grandpa and the three men. I was tired, for I had carried most of the milk to the pig troughs after having finished work which Grandma and I had always done together, so I sat down under the tree to rest and meditate. My thoughts followed the travellers with many questions, and the wish that I might hear what Mrs. Stein had to say. I might have overstayed my time if the flock of goats had not come up and smelled my hands, nibbled at the hem of my apron, and tried to chew the cape of my sunbonnet. I sprang up, and with a shout and clap of my hands scattered them, and entered the log-kitchen, reclosing the lower section of the divided door to keep them from following me within. I prepared the dinner, and if it lacked the flavor of grandma's cooking, those who ate it did not tell me. "'Grandpa lingered a moment to bestow a meed of praise on my work, "'then went off to the back corral to slaughter a beef for the shop. "'I began clearing the table, "'and was turning from it with a vegetable dish in each hand, "'when I caught sight of a shadow of a tall silk hat "'in the open space above the closed half-door. "'Then the hat and its wearer appeared. "'Leaning over the ledge of the door, "'he gazed at me standing there as if I were nailed to the floor.' I was speechless with amazement, and it seemed a long while before he remarked lightly, "'You don't seem to know me.' "'Yes, you are Mr. Wilder, my brother-in-law,' I stammered. "'Where is Elitha?' "'He informed me that she and their little daughter were at the hotel in town where they had arrived about noon, and that she wanted Georgia and me to be prompt in coming to her at four o'clock. I told him that we could not do so.' because Georgia was at Mrs. Bergwald's, Grandma on a journey beyond Bodega, and I at home in charge of the work. In surprise he listened, then asked, But aren't you at all anxious to see your sister and little niece? Most earnestly I replied that I was. Nevertheless, as Grandma was away, I could not leave the place until after the day's work was done. Then I enumerated what was before me. He agreed that there was quite enough to keep me busy, yet insisted that I ought to keep the appointment for four o'clock. After his departure I rushed out to Grandpa, told him who had come and gone, and what had passed between us. He too regretted the situation, but promised that I should spend the evening at the hotel. I fairly flew about my work that afternoon, and my brain was as active as my hands and feet i was certain that brother and sister had come for us and the absorbing query was how did they happen to arrive at this particular time i also feared that there was more trouble before me and remembered my promise to grandma with twinges of regret at half-past four i was feeding the hens in the yard and looking up saw a strange carriage approaching instantly i guessed who was in it and was at the gate before it stopped Elitha greeted me kindly, but not cordially. She asked why I had not come as requested, and then said, "'Go bring the silver thimble Francis left here, and the coral necklace I gave you.' In my nervous haste I could not find the thimble, but carried out the necklace. She next bade me take the seat beside her, thus disclosing her intention of carrying me on, picking up Georgia and proceeding to Sacramento.' She was annoyed by my answer and disappointed in what she termed my lack of pride. Calling my attention to my peculiar style of dress and surroundings, to my stooped shoulders and callous hands, she bade me think twice before I refused the comfortable home she had to offer. When assured that I would gladly go on Saturday, but was unwilling to leave in Grandma's absence, she did not urge further, simply inquired the way to Georgia, and left me. I was nursing my disappointment, and watching the disappearing carriage, when Mr. Nip, the brewer, with his load of empty kegs, drew up, and asked what I was thinking about so hard. It was a relief to see his jolly, good-natured face, and I told him briefly that our people were in town, and wished to take us home with them. He got down from his wagon to say confidentially, "'Thou must not leave Grandpa and Grandma, because the old man is always kind to thee, "'and though she may sometimes wag a sharp tongue, she means well. "'Be patient. By and by thou wilt have a nice property. "'The country will have more people for hire, and thou wilt not have so hard to work.' "'When I told him that I did not want the property, "'and that there were other things I did care for, he continued persuasively, "'Women need not so much learning from books. "'Grandma would not know how to scold so grandly "'if she remembered not so many fine words from Wilhelm Tell "'and the other books that she knoweth by heart.' "'And he climbed back and drove off, "'believing that he had done me a good turn. "'To my great satisfaction, Georgia arrived about dark, "'saying that Benjamin had brought her "'and would call for us later to spend the evening with them.' when we reached the hotel elitha received us affectionately and did not refer to the disappointments of the afternoon the time was given up to talk about plans for our future and that night when we two crept into bed i felt that i had been eased of a heavy burden for benjamin was willing to await grandma's return He told us that early next morning he would go to Santa Rosa, the county seat, and apply to be made our guardian in place of Hiram Miller, and would also satisfy any claim Grandma might have to us or against us, adding that we need not take anything away with us except our keepsakes. End of chapter 31